Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast. I'm Andrew Bracey, and in this podcast, we talk to some fascinating doctors about the interesting things they're doing in and alongside their medical careers as they forge their own creative paths. This episode, episode nine of the CCIM podcast, is the first in a series of interviews we put together on the sidelines of the recent uh, CCIM 2019 event up on the Gold Coast in August. Um, it was a great weekend um, up there. Um, it was a lot of fun. We did about five interviews, um, I think, in total, alongside, uh, obviously, the live on stage uh, chat that we did with Philip Nitschke. Um, that episode is already available. Um, it's up on the on iTunes and other places. If you want to check it out, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, he was a really fascinating guy to talk to. Um, over the course of that weekend, we covered um, in, in those interviews, uh, we've done everything from, of course, voluntary euthanasia to things like aviation medicine and med tech startups. Uh, we talked about I talked to people who were involved in foreign aid work and even magic. So there's a lot of variation and lots to look forward to in the episodes we'll be bringing you um, in the next weeks and months. Uh, this episode of the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast is brought to you by the private practice. Uh, the private practice provides business and financial education and training for healthcare professionals at each stage of your practice and personal life, whether you're transitioning into private practice, seeking strategies for growth or planning a successful succession uh, or retirement. Um, to find out more, visit www.theprivatepractice.com.au. So to our interview, it was an absolute delight to sit down with Dr. Priya Alexander, uh, Priya is a Melbourne GP whose blog, The Wholesome Doctor, you may have seen. Uh, you may have also read her work on sites like Mamma Mia, uh, The Grace Tales, um, or you may have seen her on one of her semi-regular spots on Channel 7's Sunrise, uh, Sunrise program, uh, where she gives expert health advice and lends her professional perspective on various issues. Uh, alongside her work as a GP, she's also a medical educator at Eastern Victoria GP Training. And of course, she was up on the Gold Coast as one of the speakers at the CCIM uh, 2019 uh, conference. In this conversation, she discusses her motivation behind her burgeoning media career and some of the lessons she's learned along the way, including dealing with the dark side of social media that can come with being a prominent health voice. It was a pleasure to sit down and talk to her. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Dr. Priya Alexander, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Now, one of the things that's popped up in a few of the interviews I've done for this series can be the concern, I guess, especially among younger or junior doctors about the competitive nature of professional medicine, especially in you know, the, the training period and, and picking specialties and all that kind of stuff and the need to sort of keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. at all times. I Before we get to some of your media and, and public health roles, I wanted to talk to you about your path to general practice because mm-hmm. I understand you weren't always going to G, be a GP and that you actually made the decision to switch course during your own training. I just wondered if we could start here because um, it seems like were you as a person who was always going to be interested in pursuing whatever you were interested in that was going to be more in, more in, important to you than, than staying on the treadmill and, and ending up somewhere that you didn't want to be? So I think it's an interesting point you raise and I think a lot of junior doctors describe that kind of you just get pushed on a path and you kind of just go with it and that's exactly what happened to me. So I was at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Um, I was told that I'd be a good physician and it's probably because I'm type A and, you know, I, I was 
good at my job, I guess. And so it was fed back to me that, you know, you'd make a great physician, Priya. And when you're surrounded by that and people tell you that, I thought, shivers, I'm going to be a physician. And I thought yeah. I'll be a geriatrician or a rheumatologist and it will suit me. And I got into the training program immediately and I kind of started on this path. And it was about 18 months in I got married um, to my husband, who's also a doctor. He's mm -hmm. a plastic surgeon now. As of a day ago, qualified. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I should specify yeah. it's not a long-term plastic surgeon. Um, and I remember literally one night in bed looking at him about 2am when we both got called and going, this isn't the life I'd envisioned. And it was a kind of an epiphany for me where I went, I actually don't love physicians training. I didn't have a love for it. I was watching my colleagues study for this exam. They were passionate. They were loving getting out these, what I felt were completely irrelevant parts of medicine, getting down into serious detail. And I thought, I don't share this passion with everyone else. Um, I certainly never wanted med to be my whole life. Um, and it, it is an all-consuming profession in a sense. Like it does kind of... Um, drip into your home life you do bring stuff home but I felt like as a physician it was too much of my life yeah and over the course of about the next six months I made the decision to leave and you'd be shocked at the kind of resistance I got from the hospital the people in the hospital going but you're too good to be a GP oh don't do it like you'll be so bored yeah. you'll do tears and smears pap smears and, and depressed people yeah and it was a lot of negative resistance. And I remember my mum, um, who's a great mentor to me, and she's a QC, so she's in the law, so she was horrified I even chose medicine <laughs> in the first place. You already disappointed her enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. She's like, you didn't do law. Um, but she kind of said to me, Prees, at the end of the day, this has got to sit well with you. And she was like, yeah. you've got to wake out of bed at, when you're 40, 45, and you've got to feel like you want to go to work. And she found that that was probably something that... Um, would help shape my decision and it did and I literally left I have done general practice training now obviously yep. and I always say this it's the best decision I ever made getting off the treadmill of med is the best decision I ever made so no regrets at all none absolutely none <laughs> I love general so now I'm passionate like I'm I'm doing something where I go oh my god I love my job um, I don't do tears and smears yes I do a bit of that but yeah, my but goodness that's a small portion of my practice but I get to do other stuff, like I get to do this wholesome doctor stuff, I teach training GPs, I have so much more flexibility than a lot of my my um, my colleagues, I get to be a mum, I get to have two days off a week, I don't get called in in the middle of the night, it's beautiful, like I love it, like <laughs> if you could see my face, I'm beaming, um, but yeah, I've never looked back. So... Many of our listeners might have seen you um, on TV on Sunrise or read your mm -hmm. columns in places like Mamma Mia. Of course, as you just mentioned, you've got your own public health blog resource mm -hmm. site, The Wholesome Doctor, which we'll talk to you specifically in a minute. Um, but that's where you, that's the place where you're posting all sorts of interesting things about you know bias and, and articles about issues like preventive health, mm -hmm. um, food, diet, recipes, nutrition, mm -hmm. exercise, pregnancy even. Um, for many doctors I've spoken to over the years, the pursuit of... Uh, public health media roles like mm -hmm. the one that you've the ones I suppose mm -hmm. <laughs> that you've been carving out for yourself um, have been an evolution of wanting to, to sort of help their patients by broadening their impact mm -hmm. um, to a population scale does that sort of ring true to you at all it does so I started all this in 2016 right. um, and it literally happened, and that's why my presentation here is called Avocados Do Not Cure Cancer. It literally happened because I was sitting in a cafe in St Kilda 
with my husband, I was pregnant at the time, and I read an article in mainstream media which basically said increased avocado consumption could cure cancer. I say no. this trying not to laugh because it's just <laughs> it's just crazy. And I'd seen a lot of this stuff popping up, and Instagram was kind of becoming quite big in 2016. We were seeing this emergence of influencers, and I was starting to see on my own feet this kind of health misinformation just becoming more and more noisy. Um, and in that moment, I remember I turned to Will and I said, Will, what the F? Av avocados <laughs> don't cure cancer, do they? I and he was, sure. but you know, sometimes <laughs> you think you're missing something. Yeah. <laughs> and Will was like, no, they, they don't. And that's when I, I started to think, you know what, there's not enough reasonable voices um, spreading evidence-based health information. And so that's why I started all this. And exactly for the reason that, you know, other people have done it is I can see 22 people in the clinic but I can reach, you know, now I've got sometimes hit 100,000 with some of my vaccine posts. You know, I can send a really effective evidence-based message um, and I have fun with it. Like, I actually quite enjoy it. It has its downsides, which we might get into, but yeah. I really enjoy it. So what was... The, the, so the blog was the, the first um, step that you took in, into that. What is it something that you, you always liked the idea of writing or was it just the easiest way to get started? So I've always been, I would say, a creative person. So I was not at school the really science person. I was, kind of, but I was very split. So I did English and History in Year 12. Um, I did debating. I was always on the stage. Right. And so when I chose med, I felt, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I felt like a portion of me kind of died. I was like, right. oh, there goes creative prayer. Uh, and so I felt like I constantly had this inner, I call her Beyonce, but I've got this <laughs> inner kind of person in me that's like, I do want to sing and be on a stage and... You know, my mum at one point said, like, in the last five years, this is quite embarrassing, but she was like, darling, if you need to take a year off and try and have a singing career, you just do it. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Your mum sounds okay, She's very supportive. <laughs> I mean, she's very supportive. But, um, yeah, I, I have always enjoyed writing, um, performing, public speaking, and so the blog was kind of a way for me to start writing, and then I kind of got in, as you, you've mentioned, through to Mamma Mia and Grace Tales and a yep. couple of other... Yep people that I write for um, and I, I feel like my creative juices are allowed to flow they don't flow that much in medicine you can't kind of suggest weird and wacky stuff to patients you <laughs> probably get um, disbarred but yeah I get to kind of be creative with yeah. it yeah so how did how did that blog turn into the Mamma Mia's and, mm. and, and some of those sort of bigger platforms because blogs you know their own sort of science and in yeah. terms of trying to I will we'll talk to a, a bit about that later in terms of how you, how you can work those sort of things as a starting point. But mm -hmm. how did it work for you? So for me, it started really with Instagram um, and the blog. And I'll be honest, there was a lot of faffing around in the beginning. I didn't really know how to navigate the world. I was just putting stuff off, up on the blog. And if you look back at my um, hits on the site, it was, like, negligible. Like, I'd spend hours writing something and it was like, what, <laughs> so why bother? Refreshed. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no one was reading it except for my husband and my mum. But um, it took a lot of time and I think it was really through social media that, you know, I would say to people, you know, my recipe for this that I would share uh -huh. is on the blog or, um, you know, my piece on miscarriage was a big one that got me on a map. I shared my own journey with that. Right. Um, I think it was really social media that got the blog going and then I started kind of getting knocks on the door of people going, can we take this piece off your blog? 
sure and then it kind of evolved from there and then from there you people were asking you to to write specific yeah contribution contributor contributor pieces and that kind yeah, of thing. yeah so then once i had a relationship with people like mama mia and the grace tales and a couple of others um they would say to me look we need a health expert are you happy to comment or are you happy to write a piece and once i had a nice relationship i would often pick up topics that i knew people were interested in like PCOS or endometriosis and kind of write a piece on it and give it to these people and say, are you interested? And they'd say yes or no. So when the time came to jump into your television role, you've done a number of um, spots on on various things now. Yeah, on Sunrise and Healthy Homes Australia and a lot of radio as well. Yeah. I mean, given, you said before, your personality and your desire to be be front and centre, did that that feel natural? I'm sure there's still a lot of elements to that mm-hmm. very specific type of like, performance, I guess, mm-hmm. um, that, that did you know exactly what you're doing? Was it a bit of a bumpy sort of a... I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> honestly, if I'm being honest, do you know what the scariest thing is? I got called for Sunrise on a complete whim. And this is because they read your pieces? And... On flu. On, so I, at that time I had a publicist. So I, I hired a publicist at some point because it was stagnant. And I was right. like, I'm not, okay. I don't have these contacts on you know the project or whatever I was trying to do. So I hired a publicist, which was a learning experience in itself because I, I, I chose someone who didn't understand what it was to represent a doctor. Right. Um, and so we were together for about 12 months. I learned a lot from her. She was great, but it wasn't probably the right fit. fit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how I got onto Sunrise because I'd written a piece on the flu that people like the Daily Mail and Seven News, I think, had picked up and then Sunrise contacted me. And when you ask, was it natural, you know, Live TV is weird. I don't know yeah, if you've ever done it, but not. you're looking into a black box with someone talking in your ear, and you're not. You're meant to be interacting with whoever whoever's interviewing yeah. you, but you're actually looking at a black box. I had no training. They just literally, I rocked up on the morning. And they were like, "Okay, so put this in your ear and look into the thing." You're talking to Koshi, and I was like, "Shiver me timbers!" <laughs> okay, this is happening. You know, no one had talked to me about the makeup. So the first time I ever did it, I know people are probably going, this is trivial, but I literally looked like a disco ball because no one had said to me, you don't wear SPF on camera. <laughs> and so, you know, everyone I knew texted me after going, great job, but you were really shiny. I was like, great, thank well, you. you got to learn these lessons Yeah, somewhere. I know. Well, these are the You'll lessons I've learned. Again. And I've kind of had to, you know, learn on the job. I've not had media training formally, but... Um, is it something you've ever considered? I have. And I think if, if you know, certain opportunities presented themselves of, you know, potentially being an anchor or being something significant on a show, I would 100% consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the feedback from people I've worked with so far are, well, this kind of comes naturally to you, but I'm sure there will be a time when I'm going to need it, probably. I've looked around, I've got to say, in, prepar- in preparing to, mm. to have a chat with you today, I did look around at some, some of the things you've done, and one of there was... It reminded me of my own time in, in health journalism mm-hmm. where you would have to, as, as a journalist, you would have to find a medical expert on the latest great study that, that yes. might get, you know, whether that might be avocados curing cancer, yes. who knows. And then trying to get that, A, trying to get that study in front of a doctor yes. who is very, very busy and then convincing them that it's worth their time to actually talk about it publicly. You talked about, obviously, the, the great example, the avocado paper. Yeah. Like, what... What is that like when, when you've, you've never seen any sort of piece, piece of research, whatever it might be, and then they go, um, actually, Priya, we need you to, to give a really great, um, like, no-nonsense, what does it mean to the layperson explanation as to what, is this, is this something? 
Like, what does that feel like? Well, I have to say, and that, that's the media always have their own agenda. So when I get contacted, it's usually, can you talk about this amazing new drug? You know, yep. like you're saying that that's you know in its infancy, but they want me to sell it to the public. Like it's coming tomorrow, and everyone's going to have no asthma. Right. Um, I kind of play the game with that. I'll be honest. So I will, you know hop on the screen or, or onto the paper or whatever I'm doing and I'm willing to talk about the drug, this wonder drug, but I'm very clear always that it's in the infancy and I always have my own agenda and they know this about me now, the people I it's work with. It's never an endorsement. Yeah. Never an endorsement, but also they always say to me, they're like Priya, and even the Sunrise people are like, Priya, well, no, you'll probably slip in something about your own preventative health stuff and they know <laughs> that about me now. Sure. Um, that I do, you know. So you, it sounds like you do have to be fairly um, shameless in terms of plugging. If you're going to actually achieve what you're trying to do, yeah. you have to be able to sort of back so yourself. So I'll talk about say, this yeah. new, you know, there was recently something about genetic I don't testing. Make, sorry, I don't mean moment. shameless in terms of your, your ethics around that. No, I no, mean, no. In terms of plugging your own, um, what you're trying to do yeah, as well. Yeah, the, the evidence-based yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so what I'll always do is on any topic I talk on, I will always provide some evidence-based health information. So, yes, this drug is great, Koshi or her I'm talking to, but exercise. <laughs> at the end of the day, sun safety is still the best yeah. way to prevent skin cancer, <laughs> using sunscreen. Yeah. So I still always try and have my own agenda. And you feel a bit naughty sometimes pushing it, but at the end of the day, I'm a GP. And at the moment, you know, backed by the medical community, which I'm very proud of, mm -hmm. which is always a fear of mine going into this. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about... Yeah. Perhaps we can get to that in a moment about mm -hmm. what the reaction has been like from mm -hmm. some of your peers because like, having worked in the media, it's not always positive no. um, when, when doctors are out there speaking effectively on behalf of mm -hmm. their profession. Um, I mean, on that, on that note, I mean, are there, are there sort of any, any particular prominent medical you know, people in, in the media, in media roles, you know, the Normans ones of the world, that, was there someone that you looked to as like, oh, I can do that or I can do, I can do it better than this person or I can, maybe that's something I could do? Or like, was there any so that? actually... And I don't want to sound um, I don't want to sound rude saying this, but there actually wasn't, yeah. and that was part of the problem. Is and I, I'm quite passionate about this about um, diversity in the media as well. And I yeah. kept looking at stuff and going, "There's Andrew Rochford. There's a couple of people out there. None of them were, were GPs um, who were anchors on the project and these types of things in mainstream media, and mm -hmm. none of them were brown or yeah. ethnic." Yeah. And that really bothers me. I was going to ask you about that eventually. Yeah, it but, really yeah. bothers me. And so uh, there's so many things that drive me with the wholesome doctor. There's, you know, the public health messages. There's improving health literacy in the population. It's drowning out the misinformation that's out there. But my goodness, one of them is, you know, I want to be a brown woman in mainstream media. Sure. Um, so that when I turn on the TV, there are people that look like me. Because at the moment, there's not. And people will often make these jokes to me like, you know, Waleed Ali's already on the project. What do you want? <laughs> and they do Come say on, this and they kind of up. laugh about yeah. it. They're like, oh, you don't need two of you. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but this tells us where we're at. You know, yeah. if you think that's adequate, then there's a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big driver for me. Yeah. Um, just on the sort of similar point, the pick up on a point we made before that, um, around that idea of the responsibility um, mm -hmm that comes with the platform. Yes. Um, um, one of the key cases that comes to mind to me and might, might for you or, or other doctors that might be listening is that, of that classic one, the ABC Catalyst program, the, the statin yes. thing, where people were, there's, there's a, those two programs that mm -hmm. they did, two-part thing, that effectively ended up scaring a yep. lot of people. Um, hugely, yeah. Hugely, off, off, a lot of them off of taking yes. quite important prescribed drugs. Mm -hmm. um, it was 
ultimately found to have sort of breached editorial standards, that there was exaggeration of harms mm-hmm. and underplaying of potential benefits and it wasn't mm-hmm. balanced in that way. As a doctor, um, do you see it as sometimes being a bit of a high wire act? I mean, is it, is the, obviously there's that potential benefit impact that you were talking about earlier yeah. that got you into this role. Yeah. But is it sometimes, you know, how wary are you of the, the, the potential negative that, that can come even with the best of intentions? I'm very aware. Yeah, I um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm very aware. And I, you know, I try really hard on my posts and blogs to kind of say to people, it's, here's the information, it's a choice. It's, it's an informed choice for the patient. I try and really push that. And I always try and provide a balanced view. I think that, you know, there's some things, for instance, that I am absolutely pro-vaccination, for instance, is a perfect example of sure. that. Um, and so on that, I will always advocate for vaccination. On something like antidepressants for depression and anxiety, I try to be very measured, you know. I do a lot of mental health. Yes, there's exercise, there's meditation, there's all these benefits. For some patients, that's not enough. Uh-huh. They need medication, but there's still a huge people, a proportion of people out there who go, I'm not going to take a tablet. And so I try to be quite measured so I don't alienate people ever when I'm talking about these kinds of topics and they think, well, this doctor obviously thinks if I don't take the drug, I'm not treating myself as best as I could. Um, I mean, I think having this platform and the number of followers, and especially now the microscope of the medical community on me, um, you know, I'm very careful about... I'm always, you know, the posts I do take me so bloody long to just perfect and check and even on topics I'm 100% comfortable with to make sure that I'm representing my community, the medical community, as best as I can. But it is a big responsibility. Well, you go on that, you feel like you're sort of having, you're being kept honest by your peers. What, yeah. what has, and we started, we touched on it a second mm-hmm. ago, what, what has been the reaction? Is it, have you had any sort of pushback from people going, what do you know? You're a relatively, you know, you're a relatively young GP. Well, yeah. Why are you speaking for, for all of us? I haven't had that. I haven't had negative from my own profession. So I'll say this. I've got um, some wonderful mentors where I teach. So I teach at um, Eastern Victoria GP Training in Uh Melbourne. That's where I train GPs. And I've got some wonderful older mentors there. And when I started all this, their suggestion to me was don't become a TV doctor. Don't sell out. You're a good GP. You do this, but be very careful. And that was great advice. And I still touch base with those people in the lunchroom. We have a chat and they'll kind of, you know, especially with the recent anti-vaccine stuff I kind of got, provide some very, um, you know, I, you often want to hear the positive stuff, but they'll often say to me, is this worth your mental health and sanity? Yeah. Is this worth it for you and your family and their yeah. safety? And it's good questions because it's the stuff that I'm sometimes too scared to ask myself. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've kind of forgotten the... Well, no, I mean, just you... I wanted to pick up on a point anyway. Yeah. You, you said around the, 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 the impact potentially on your family from being yeah. um, outspoken. You know, on, yes. a, on an issue like vaccination, yes. which obviously there's overwhelming support for, but a very loud minority. minority yeah. um, what's do you, having having put yourself up in, in advocacy of, of vaccination mm-hmm. like that? Have you had any sort of pushback from 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 that that element coming back at you and, and potentially even you know obviously you you. I, before we started recording this and we were talking about one of your blog posts where mm. you used there's a, a photograph of yourself and your daughter yeah. um, promoting the, the, the benefits of a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Had, has that sort of um, approach sort of had any sort of negative It reaction? has. So that's kind of been building from that, you know, I, the anti-vaccination um, 
groups. That's I've had some kind of kick, hit backs or whatever the word is in the last two years grumbling. You know, a couple of inbox messages, a couple of comments on my feed, I could deal with that. Yep. That's escalated in the last probably two months and some people listening might be aware of that because it really went, I don't know when the term viral applies, but yeah. it felt viral to me. Um, but I'd posted on the fact that 95% of five-year-olds in Australia are vaccinated and yep. I was celebrating that. Um, which is as a great thing. And then I'd also posted on the flu vaccine and I'd had a photograph of my daughter and I haven't been vaccinated. Um, and really I had a very significant negative backlash from very prominent anti-vaccine groups, predominantly in the US, but also some in, in Australia, right. um, who, the word would be attacked my Facebook page and a little bit on my Instagram. Um, you know, the post reach went up to about 250,000 and it's still climbing and the negative comments were just, you know, I'd seen negative before but this was personal it right. got racist it got um it attacked my motherhood i was a baby killer right. bought by a big farmer you know pity your daughter you need to go back to med school really personal attacks and there were thousands of them wow and and that digital reach means as you say like it, it, it just it goes gone. global it yeah. was global yep, yeah it was gone and i honestly don't use Facebook. I just post everything I put on Instagram to Facebook. Mm. That was suggested to me. And so when this was happening, I suddenly had to get on actual Facebook and go, shivers, how do I actually deal with this? And I'll be honest, for about four days, I was just I was going to say, there must, be a, a ha there must be a lot of sleepless nights at that point. Like, what? There were. How do I get myself in this situation? I couldn't what, stop what reading the comments. What is reasonable, what isn't? That's yeah. it. And I couldn't stop reading the comments and, you know, my family illegal my whole family and they were like you need to take action on some of these right. and I just didn't have the ability to actually do anything let alone go to the police you know I was literally bawling my eyes out most of the time questioning and I, at some one point I actually turned to Will and said am I missing something about vaccines like you yeah, start yeah. to doubt yeah you know I talked to colleagues in the in the clinic I talked to the colleagues that I educate with and I I really for four days honestly shut down and then I got help from Shots Heard, which is a group in the US run by paediatricians. I had Julie Leesk, who's a, a prominent behavioural scientist in University of Sydney, reach out to me. She studies anti-vaxxers, so she offered a lot of support. Right. Um, and then I had the support of the medical community because I don't know what happened, but people started sharing what was happening to me on medical groups and makes me teary thinking about it, but I was inundated with support on the page, support from doctors. I got flowers and messages from people I'd absolutely never met. It's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I say to Will, because, you know, we've had to do several things after this because there were some personal threats yeah. made that I've taken to the police who have actually been wonderful. Um, but we've had to take our name off the electoral roll and shut things down a little bit so that we are safe. Right. But I did say to Will... Is this worth it? Yeah. Um, and a colleague said to me, who I really respect, Priya, why should you bear the burden of this? This should, should be the Immunisation Council of Australia doing this. Why should you be doing And that's a fair reason. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, my message is effective, and so that's why I've been attacked. They don't like me using the word wholesome because that's meant to be a, you know, non-medical word, which right. is why I chose it actually in 2016. It was a very deliberate choice. <laughs> Um, 
and a, an effective message is the one that gets the attention. And so I've tried to really hold on to that. I yeah. haven't posted on vaccination since because I am slightly... I'm a bit gun shy. Yep. But I will this week. This was my deadline. Okay. This was my mental deadline. Right. I had to get back on the horse. Yep. Um, I've shut stuff down. I've got the police behind me. And, I, you know, answering your question before, the medical community have been overwhelmingly supportive of what I'm trying to do with the wholesome doctor. No one's actually said, you know, you're a, fair, you're a new GP or... I think being a medical educator adds some credibility to what I do because yeah. I train GPs For as sure. well. But, yeah. yeah, it's been overwhelming support from people who are much more senior than me, from people in totally different specialties from across the world. It's been really supportive. Well, I'm glad you haven't let it get, get you down and yeah. stop, stop, your, stop your progress. Um, in sort of moving into the media, mm. I wanted to sort of get... I mean, you've talked about some of the... Some of the um, early lessons that you learned along mm. the way what were the what were some of the surprises that, that that popped up you know some of the perhaps some of the more positive things that, that the surprises you know in terms of the people you were working with the opportunity mm -hmm. that the, the reaction to appearances um so the surprises have been probably and it still shocks me who's watching on social media and so I've had the opportunity to kind of network with you know the Cancer Council Heart Foundation some really you know, peak Astro medical Australian So there's body. some opportunities starting to flow from that as well yeah. outside of... Yeah. Yeah. And so that's been a big surprise to me that, you know, these bodies... Because I think everyone's starting to realise that we actually have quite a capacity to make a difference on social media. And so um, that's been a big surprise to me that they've actually reached out to me to do some advocacy work, which has been wonderful. Um, the other surprise has been how much you can actually do with this, which is I've kind of built this... You know, we were talking about it earlier, you know, you kind of said this has taken off and I'm like, has it? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel <laughs> yeah. like it. But, you know, I'm launching a children's book. So, you know, my kid's book is coming out. It's in the printing stages. Oh, cool. It'll be out in the next, you know, hopefully one to two months. Doing a book launch. The Cancer Council are backing it, are supporting it. And I just sometimes am so surprised. I'm like, gosh, this GP who's a mum who plods around <laughs> in Melbourne can actually... Make a difference. Yeah, make be a little heard. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how does all that affect the way that you see yourself? Do you see yourself any differently than, than you did five years ago? Or three years ago? Or <laughs> I think I, I... And my husband often says this to me. I think I see myself now as I am quite a good juggler of things. There are a lot of people who say to me, I don't know how you balance it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know either, but I am... And I'm probably too type A and I'm quite neurotic and those are things that, you know, I manage now because I have had anxiety before and I ideally don't want to go back there sure. again. Um, but I kind of see myself now and go, ships, Priya, you're pretty resilient and you're a pretty good juggler. You know, you're like, you kind of got this. Like, I'm not... Are they skills that, that I mean, you to some, to some degree, you, you always must have had, but I guess mm -hmm. they, they have you seen them sort of grow and, and as, I have. because they've had to, I suppose. When I mean, you look at some of the things you've encountered along the way, mm -hmm. so especially the juggling, I think as this wholesome doctor media requirements have grown, you know, can you do this piece for us? Can you come and do the radio thing weekly? Um, I've been shocked at how I've kind of just make it, made it work with a husband who was doing plastic surgery training and not around much. That's hopefully going to change, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and a three-year-old yeah. and the normal demands that you have of you in life. I've I've looked at myself and gone, gosh, you're kind of managing okay. And I've become better at saying no. That's yeah. the other thing. You can really sell out. You get a lot of brands approach you. Yep. And that's one of the, the negatives is I've had the most odd brands contact me on social media 
saying, can you... Can you endorse this or that? Yeah. yeah. Like food brands, like meal prep brands and yogurts and weird stuff, rice brands, offering huge amounts of money to endorse a product. Um, and I've really learnt to say no. Yeah. Because it can, you know, as my mother says, it takes years to build reputation and seconds to destroy it. And so I've really held back. Well, thank you for saying yes to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, to perhaps, what advice might you have for, because there are a lot of doctors um, in the CCIM community mm-hmm. that, that might be interested in, and even outside of that as well, who might be interested in becoming sort of a more public health advocate or communicator. Um, what advice do you have about how they might go about it? I mean, obviously we're living in an age where, you know, blogs and YouTube channels, mm-hmm. social media, some of the things we were talking about before can make it very easy, mm-hmm. um, especially with the technology that's available. It's very easy to film yourself or record yourself and put it out there or mm-hmm. write a blog and, mm-hmm. and, and away it goes. Um, but there's still that element of cut through that you talked about before. What advice would you have for someone starting out that would, that would, would like to explore um, the kinds of roles that, you, that you've been able to, to make for yourself? So I would say, firstly, without sounding too um, pessimistic, but be careful. Uh-huh. And I was going to ask you about the pitfalls as well. Yeah, <laughs> but you've got to be careful. So, you know, I'm very conscious of the ROCGP and APRA social media policies, for instance, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think if you're going to do this type of stuff, you need to be extremely careful with what is and isn't allowed. Um, and, and you know, if you're going to be strict on anything, go with their set rules. Don't breach them. And they're very kind of um, natural things, like don't brand, don't say I'm the best GP in the world, you know, don't stand there with, you know, I don't know, a box of Cocoa Pops and be like, yeah, yeah Freya yeah. loves Cocoa Pops. Yeah, yeah. Try not to do that type of stuff. Um, that stuff comes naturally to me now, but you've got to be really careful when you're starting off, I think, that you don't fall into any of the traps. The other thing I think is you've got to stay real. Um, so I'm a bit of a quirky personality. Um, I think that people are sick of seeing doctors be these kind of, you know, have all the answers um these people who are kind of gods like we do it right it's our way or the highway i think people are sick of that time is changing people get their health information from lots of other sources and so i try and keep it really real um which i think helps sell the message that i'm sending which is you know i try and get five serves of veggies every day i probably have too much wine sometimes (laughs) i do eat a burger now and then You know, keep it real. Otherwise, people just don't listen. People don't want to be preached to anymore, and I understand that. Yeah, I get that. I mean, there is if if you're not genuine, no one's going to put. People will sniff you out fairly quickly. They do. They? they really do. And I think people sense when you're passionate, and that's what colleagues have said to me. They're like, "My golly, like you really bloody love this stuff." And I'm like, <laughs> "I really do. I really, really do." And I think you know that must translate in some capacity on social media, but. Um, I think if you're going to go down this path, and something I probably didn't do in 2016 is you need to have quite a clear vision of where you're going to go with it. Because I've done some things in probably the past, what, four years where uh-huh. I've gone, Ugh, is that would I have done that again? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I think you need to have a really clear vision of what you'll say yes to, no to. And you learn along the way. Yeah, for like sure. Like now I definitely know where this is headed. Um and my other advice is it's a, it's a lot more work than what you probably think. And it's not that glamorous in the beginning. I've done lots of unpaid, crappy stuff. Yeah. Comments and things and things you kind of feel like, am I selling out? You feel a bit, ugh, I don't know about this. But, um, you know, you invest the time and the effort and hopefully it pays off in the end. 
I mean, at the end of the day, sorry, no, just right. to say no, this, no, no. but I think, you know, recently when I was thinking with this anti-vaccination attack, I was yeah. thinking, is this worth it? Yeah. Why the hell am I doing all this? Um, and I did think about shutting it all down, and certainly the police said that's the safest thing for you to do. They said, you're not going to do it, but that would be our recommendation. Um, and I wrote a pros and cons list. I've told you I'm type A, but I did, with my <laughs> husband there. Right, yeah. Um, it, can, it can be a really useful... It can. Decision-making <laughs> tools. It was very yeah, helpful for yeah. me. But, you know, in the pros, I thought... I've had so many patients and followers contact me to say, because of you, Priya... I've had my child vaccinated against the flu. I didn't know that over six months kids can have it. Yep. Um, because of you, Priya, we've had the meningococcal B vaccine. We didn't even know about it. Because of you, Priya, we eat veggies now. I've added less salt to the diet. I go for a walk. I think of you. A lot of my followers say to me, you know, I often think, what would Priya do? She'd go for a walk. And I think, shivers. That's that's a really cool impact to be having. It's a cool yeah. impact. It is. And I think, God, if I've had kids get an immunisation or mom, pregnant mums get the flu vac or the boosterix, or I've made a person with, you know, struggling with mental health issues actually go into the GP and remove some stigma, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Before I let you go, mm. I, just, I, I should ask, do you want to speak a little bit more about the book, and get a quick plug before the end? When is it coming out? What's it going to be called? Where can we get it? So it's called Rainbow Plate um, and it is directed at kids who are um, preschoolers. So it kind of perfect for my four-year-old. Does it? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> it probably is. Honestly, you should get a copy. Um, but basically I've written a children's story. It's targeted at children and it's how I do it with patients who are fussy eaters, um, you know, constipated kids who need more fibre and how I've done it with my daughter. Right. So we talk about rainbow plates and rainbow tummies. It's been quite effective at home but also with patients. Um, so it's a fun book. It tries to make colours and rainbows and fruit and veg magical and kind of interesting. But I also have a letter at the front from me, a GP and mother, uh -huh. on you know why you might want your kids to get fruit and veggies in, health benefits, just a short letter, how much is, is needed per age group, and then some tips for fussy eaters. Yeah. And so when I kind of thought about it um, and investigated the market, there was nothing quite like it from a GP and a mother. And, um, you know, obesity and obesity-related disease in Australia and children is climbing hugely. And so the Cancer Council and their obesity arm are on board supporting it and a couple of other um, patient groups and, and advocacy groups, which is great. So you can get it, well, in bookstores, I guess. Yep. Look, I'm not good at the business stuff. That's, no, that's why okay. I'm currently right. finding it. I'll definitely be looking out for it, though. Yeah. Up some of those on tips, the blog. Because I, I, have the, I have the fussy four-year-old. Oh, child. do you? Yes, yes you massively. might need the rainbow plate. Yeah, I should give you a copy, a signed copy. <laughs> I love it. Look, thank you so much for your time, Priya. I, I really do um, appreciate you making time on this weekend that where you're you. uh, very busy with, with creative careers in medicine. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed my chat there with Dr. Priya Alexander. Her book that we briefly discussed at the end there, The Rainbow Plate, is due out in time for Christmas um, and will be available in all good bookstores or via her blog, which you can find by visiting thewholesomedoctor.com.au. And I'm definitely going to be tracking down a copy of that one for my fussy little eater. Uh, once again, this episode was thanks to the private practice. The private practice provide business and financial education and training for healthcare professionals at each stage of your professional and personal life. Whether you're transitioning into private practice, seeking strategies for growth, or planning a smooth succession or retirement. To find out more, visit www.theprivatepractice.com.au. Thank you for listening. If you like this or any of our previous episodes, we'd love if you could share it with your friends and colleagues, maybe even give us a nice review on iTunes. It all helps us get the word out. 
This has been an Embrace Creative production for Creative Careers in Medicine. We'll be bringing you more of our interviews from the Gold Coast in the coming weeks, so stay tuned.